Prim, and the title of this lesson is Victory in Jesus. And uh, we have taken prayer requests, so I'm going to ask Brother Mickey to go ahead and lead us in prayer. And uh, we didn't mention the Ukraine situation. We do need to lift that up every day. Amen. Father, we're thankful for today that you are still on the throne, that you're worthy to be praised and to be glorified. Father, today we know that you have in the palm of your hand that we have your strength to lean on and your wisdom to guide us and to direct us. Father, today there are many needs within the body, but Lord, we know that you are the healer of all of them. You are the strength and the refuge that we need in the time of trouble. Lord, today we lift up this niece. Heavenly Father, you are aware of this bone and the situation within her body. Heavenly Father, we just pray, dear God, that you would continue to guide the doctors as, as they rightly diagnose the situation. Father, but I know with just a touch of your hand, with the anointing of your Holy Spirit, Lord, you can touch her body and everything will be realigned just as it should be. Lord, we lift up Robin to you today, Heavenly Father. Lord, these muscles and tissue, Heavenly Father, that have been stretched and strained, Lord, we know that you can place them right back into the right position, that you can take them and heal them immensely, Heavenly Father, and immediately, God, rest upon her arm and her leg, Heavenly Father, for strength within you today, Lord. We continue to lift up Betty Porter to you, Father. Thank you for the goodness and your love and your mercy and your presence in her life. Lord, healing this cancer, we thank you, Father. Lord, that you are the healer of all our diseases, whether it be the cancer or whatever. Heavenly Father, you are still the healer, and we put our faith and our trust in you. We lift up Alice to you today. Lord, and uh, Dennis, we ask your hand to rest upon them. To continue to strengthen them, Lord, and op open the doors, Heavenly Father, for a new vehicle. We ask you to touch Becky, Heavenly Father. Lord, today, Lord, that she would find the the car that is needed. Lord, and the provisions to, to, to buy the car, Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Father. Lord, for you are ever mindful of our needs, and we are in the situations, Heavenly Father, in Ukraine. Lord, we know that there are people there, your, your children, oh God, Lord, that are worshiping you. As we saw on Facebook, Lord, they were in the uh, underground tunnels, Lord, but they were singing and praising your name. Lord, we lift them up to you today. Lord, and those in Russia that are praying for them and petitioning the government not to go in, but Heavenly Father, he is a uh, mind of his own, led by the enemy to attack our, uh, the other nations. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today, Lord, that we know we can rely on you because you are still in control and you are waiting and willing to minister to each and every need. Father, today we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We've got to sing that chorus. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due. Yeah, I have it up here. 
Yeah, uh, everybody be sure to pick up a quarterly if you haven't yet, because we start a new uh, quarter, or yeah, quarter next Sunday. And uh, the first unit is going to be on Christian discipleship. And uh, then we're going to get into one of the books of the Bible on uh, Jeremiah and Ezekiel on the second unit. But today we're looking at victory in Jesus as we conclude this study on the supernatural realm and uh, thank God that there's a supernatural <laughs> and because uh, God is supernatural of course the enemy is also in the supernatural realm because he's a spirit once was an angel and so we have this adversary that comes against us but we have victory in Jesus over him. So our central truth is Christians are set free from the power of Satan through victory in Jesus Christ. And our key verse is James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Sometimes they used to have these old-time pen, uh, in Pentecostal circles testimony services, and, and you'd hear someone get up and say, the devil's been after me all day. And then they might even say, bless his holy name. <laughs> but uh, that's not the way it's supposed to be. He's supposed to be fleeing, not, not us fleeing from him. And we need to go after him. All right, so... Uh, we're going to be looking at utilizing our spiritual weapons because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds of the enemy. So our first section is found in 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 6. I guess we'll start with Sherry again. Okay. You know, Kenneth Hagin said, Yes. The old Kenneth Hagin. He said that uh, about that verse, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Um, he said something about resist him. He said he, he won't give up easy, but he will give up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth Hagin That's used true. to say yeah, that. I love Kenneth Hagin. Me too. I did too. This one is uh, out of the ESV that I have today about Paul defending his ministry. It's chapter Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10, 1 through 6. I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. 
being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. All right. Thank you, Sherry. Our pastor's been talking about, you know, changing the conversation, and he uses that verse there in the fifth, I mean, fifth verse, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so we have to be able to do that. And, and in the fourth verse where she read about our weapons are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And that's one of the devil's main stronghold is he deals with our thought life and, and get us to imagine uh, the worse instead of the better, you know. And uh, uh, so we need to resist him in casting down those imaginations and thoughts that would exalt itself against the knowledge of the Lord and to say what the Word says about who we are. That's been talked about in our revival and also with uh, our pastor, how that we need to uh, realize how we talk to ourselves or think about ourselves and to realize that the Word says we're more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. And that's found in Romans 8, of course. And then Paul also mentioned in Ephesians 6 how that um, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And uh, so that's what he's saying there again, that we're not, uh, we're not wrestling against carnal things, fleshly things, but... We have an enemy that is uh, always trying to defeat us with our thought life and temptations. In our introduction in our teacher's quarterly, it says just about everyone has some kind of trophy or ribbon at some point in life. I never got a trophy, but I, get, I did get a first place ribbon one time, and that's always fun or get certificates after you've completed a course for a job well done. In most cases, the victory is not life-changing. We maintain the memory, but the course of our lives probably stayed largely the same. This is not true, however, regarding the spiritual victory we find in Christ. Because when we're saved, everything changes, and it should. There's something wrong with our salvation if we didn't receive a change when we were saved. Because it says in um, Corinthians there, you know, that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and all things become new. And so... uh, Sometimes it doesn't all change immediately. Some things change in the course and among among challenges that we face. Certainly Christians are new creatures in Christ, as I was quoting. The Holy Spirit creates a new nature in us when we are born again. 
One result of this new creation is the inevitable conflict that exists between our new nature and our old nature. Such conflicts will exalt, I mean exist throughout our lives, but we will emerge victorious as we are careful to satisfy the desires of the new and refuse the desires of the old. So Paul said one time, you know, I die daily because every day we have to kind of crucify the flesh, you know, and if we're going to walk in the spirit. For they that um, walk in the spirit do not fulfill the desires of the flesh. But it is a conflict, definitely, that, that we face. But Paul says we have weapons, though. We need to utilize those spiritual weapons. Again, if you go to Ephesians 6, he talks about how that we have, need to put on the full armor of God that we can stand against the wiles or the tricks of the enemy. And uh, so that's a weapon that putting on the armor of God and also uh, taking up the sword of the spirit he mentioned. That's a weapon. Our Bible is a weapon to use against the enemy, not to use against one another, but to use against the enemy. And uh, we're to uh, encourage one another and realize that we're all in a battle and we all need that encouragement, you know, to win the battle. And he has given us these weapons that are not carnal, but they're still mighty through God. For one thing, Satan is a spirit, and so you're not going to be able to defeat him with carnal weapons anyway. But we do defeat him through the word of God, as Jesus did when he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan. He always said, it is written, Satan, and he quoted the word. And so that's one of our main weapons we have, but also we have the Spirit of God because it says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will lift up a standard against him. And uh, usually we think of that standard as the cross because at the cross is where Jesus defeated the enemy. So he is a defeated foe. He's, he's toothless, as someone said, but he should, will sure try to gum you. <laughs> and so you need to uh, look to the cross and realize that that's where the victory was in Jesus when he went to the cross. And we're going to be looking at that in another scripture here, probably the next one, concerning the authority and power of Christ in Colossians now, the second chapter. These are all in order as far as chronological order, so that's good. And Colossians, the second chapter, 9 through 15. Uh, let's see, who'd like to read? Um, you'd like to read, uh, Kay? <laughs> For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, 
and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The enemy thought he had Jesus defeated by the cross, but instead we see that it's through the cross that Jesus defeated the enemy and made a show of him openly. He hung openly on the cross. And uh, he, uh, uh, at the first verse that she read, it's easy to pass over it. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So we know the Godhead is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus had all of it dwelling in him. That's why we say he was fully God as well as fully man. And uh, so he's the God-man, but he had all the fullness of the Godhead in his body, bodily. And so when we invite Christ to come within us, we also have the fullness of the Godhead within us. That's why greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And uh, also, I always thought of the Father as being Jehovah, but uh, I, I, I listened to this uh, teacher, like I said, from Oklahoma, Les Feldick, and he brought out the fact that Jehovah meant I am, and Jesus is the I am. He said that plainly, I am that I am, is what he told Moses, and so it was Christ that appeared to Moses, and throughout the Old Testament, it's usually Christ that is appearing. Uh, but uh, anyway, because uh, Jehovah can be also translated just uh, Yahweh and, and Yeshua, and th that comes in the Greek as Jesus. So uh, he is Jehovah, God Almighty, but he, uh, he is not the Father, but he is Jehovah. And so whenever it mentions the Lord in capital letters in the Old Testament, it's talking about Christ before he was born in Bethlehem as Jesus. And uh, so uh, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And then he also mentioned about uh, circumcision, that we're circumcised without hands, so he's not talking about the physical circumcision, he's talking about spiritual circumcision of the heart. And uh, so we all have to have the Lord to circumcise our hearts and take away that which should not be there. Um, and he also mentioned the fact 
of the cross there, like I said, blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us. What ordinance was against us? The law. And so Jesus came to uh, blot out those uh, laws that was against us and nailed it to the cross. You wonder why he was nailed to the cross? Well, he said, well, he nailed it to his cross. It reminds me of uh, sometimes in a store, you know, you'll see this spike thing, and when you pay your bill, they put it on that spike, and uh, which meant paid in full. And our pastor, you know, been emphasizing, and others, the fact of tell us whatever it is, stopped. I, I'm not good at these foreign languages. But anyway, it mentions the fact our means paid in full. There's nothing we can add for our salvation than what Jesus already paid. He paid it in full. And uh, not only did he pay for our salvation, forgiveness of sins, but he also whipped the devil, spoiled the principalities and powers, and made a show of them openly. All right, we're doing pretty good on time. Uh, so the next portion has to do with submitting to God and resisting the devil. And we're in James 4, 4 through 10. I'm about to run out of readers. <laughs> I'll let you read that anyway. James chapter 4, verses 4 through 10. Right. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the fellowship or friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But you giveth more grace, wherefore the he saith, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves to the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. That pretty well says what, it, what he says. He will lift you up if you humble yourself. The hardest thing for a man or woman to do is to be humble to the, to the Lord. And, uh, to humble to one another, really, when you get right down to it. Uh, we lack our superiority. So, uh, we like to be in control. Huh? We like to be in control. It's when in reality, the only control there is is God. Good. Anybody else have a comment on anything we talk about? <laughs> Speak now, forever hold your peace, as they used to say. No, it's all good. Amen. It's all good. It's all good how it is, for sure. Right. Amen. All right. So, uh, James is telling us there that we need to mainly do two things, submit ourselves to God and then resist the devil. 
you try to resist the devil before submitting yourself to God, you're going to have problems because we can't defeat them in ourselves. But when we submit to God, then God will take care of the devil and will help us to be able to resist the Paul, devil. Paul is talking to these people, showing them what, they, what the word says, but the deceivers are coming in, trying to lead them away from, and we have the same thing, same problem today in churches in general, general they no longer preach the dynamic word of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word from Genesis to Revelation <coughs> they teach what they want to hear they turn this little page out or, or skip over that because it's not relevant anymore it is relevant from the beginning to the ending and it will be until Jesus Christ comes in the clouds and we go see him right the Holy Spirit's the one that inspired the Word of God, and so to resist the Word is to resist the Holy Spirit. That's dangerous. And if we do that, we're not going to be able to resist the devil. And so it's very important that we do know the Word, and uh, as we were talking about, the Word is one of our main weapons, and if you're in the Army or something, you have to clean your gun every time Every day, you know, you have to keep it clean because if it gets corrupted, it's not going to be very effective. And so he has given us the word, but we have to study the word ourselves and, and apply it to our hearts every day. And this helps us to have our weapons sharpened and ready for battle. All right. our thoughts to be correct instead of going back to the Bible and making sure the Bible, again, if you go to the Lord first, your thoughts will be pure and you're lined up with the Word. Whereas if you don't go to the Word first, it's going to be your own thoughts. And so therefore, you're going to have to resist the devil more, you know. So the more you stay in the Word, the more you resist the devil. All right. Amen. All right. Amen. Good comments. All right, so we conclude here with 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. Flip that over a few pages. And we come to verses 6 through 10, just four verses there, but they're powerful verses. Uh, oh, I'm in 2 Peter. No wonder that didn't work. Okay, but 1 Peter 5 is across the page. All right. Humble, there it again, it says again, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. What a beautiful thought that is. And how sad the Lord must have been when they woke him up in the boat and said, carest thou not? that we perish, I'm sure that hurt him because he cared for them so much that he was willing to go to the cross and die for them. And uh, the enemy will try to make us doubt that the Lord cares, but he does care. And he tells us to cast all your care. That's 
That's just to throw it onto him, you know, when you cast something. And we can because he careth for you. There's been a lot of good songs about that, how he careth for you. Or he is our peace who has broken down every wall. So cast all your cares on him for he cares for you is in that song. And he said, you need to be alert though. You need to be sober because you have an adversary, the devil, who walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Like I said, the Lord took his teeth away, but he can still roar. And uh, lions use that roar to try to put fear and, and uh, uh, make them petrified almost, you know, by that roar of the lion. And uh, so you, you need to know he's going to still roar, even though the Lord took his teeth. Uh, but he tries to seek those that he may devour. And so that speaks of permission there. The devil can't do anything to us unless we give him permission to do something. And also he can't do anything without God's permission, as we see in the book of Job. And uh, so it said you need to resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered, you, you may still suffer a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. And uh, it ends there in our lesson, but I like that 11th, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And he just had to say amen. <laughs> amen. To him be glory forever and ever. Our uh, quarterly, I don't know where the student one did it or not, but it mentions there are seven keys to aligning ourselves with God. And the first key is uh, to humble or submit oneself to God. So I kind of wrote them down from the quarterly here. But I think I can have room to put that in. Uh, the first key is to humble by submitting oneself to God. That word humble just simply means we realize we can't do it ourselves. We need Jesus. Without him, we can do nothing, as he said. So we are to humble by submitting to God. The second key is to resist the devil. And as we have mentioned the devil is a spiritual being so you have to use spiritual weapons against the devil and our main weapon of course is the word of God the third thing is to draw nigh to God 
are near to God. Because if you draw near to someone, you're going to be closer to them. And so uh, we need to realize that we need that closer walk with the Lord every day. And so that's the third key of aligning ourselves with God. The fourth is to cleanse our hands. We're not of the world, but we are sure in the world, and you can get dirty real fast when you're around people that are unbelievers and, and you uh, uh, get involved with things of the world. And, then of course, John tells us what the world is, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. <coughs> but we are to cleanse our hands. And we need to purify our heart. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, a lot of times uh, we, we have unpure thoughts, but that doesn't come into the heart it's just in the head but we need to realize that that the Lord will purify our heart and the psalmist said I thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee and so that it also cleanses the heart and our hands and whatever uh, because we're told that uh, when we uh, uh, walk with the Lord and our, uh, that he will help us to be pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, Jesus said. And uh, again, it takes the Spirit of God to really purify our heart and to cleanse our hands and we need to grieve over sin. And to grieve for our lost loved ones that are bound by sin. And then last, we're back to humble ourselves. back to humbling ourselves, and uh, there's a lot of things the Lord will do for us but some things we have to do for ourselves too and that's one of the things we have to do is to humble ourselves uh, James concerning the uh, grieve over sin in our quarterly it says James indicated that Christians must recognize how double minded ways impact their relationship with God no one who truly loves God can come to the recognition of how their acts of worldliness affect their relationship with him and not have sorrow. 
Because after all, it says if we love the world, then we're an enemy of God. And you, we want to be a friend of God and not an enemy of God. So we have to resist the devil and resist worldly things, such as we mentioned in John there, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and pride of life. And in humbling oneself, humility leads to submission. Believers often feel that they know what is best for them, but humility acknowledges that God is wiser than us. Sincere humility demands genuine trust in God. So we're out of time. We've got to go. <coughs> but uh, the key... The key thing is we have victory in Jesus. Amen. Lord, we're so thankful that we do have victory in Jesus. For it's Jesus that has won the victory for us and given us the spoils. So we're more than conquerors because you're the one that conquered the enemy. But you made us more than conquerors because of your love for us and for uh, fighting the battle because the battle is the Lord's, not ours. And we thank you, Lord, for the victory we do have in Jesus. And be with the service to follow. We thank you for your anointing upon the, the uh, singing and preaching and every part of the service. Thank you for being with the uh, business meeting tonight, Lord, and have your way. And let there be a spirit of harmony and one accord and that we'll be able to accomplish for the kingdom what we need to accomplish in the business meeting and knowing your will concerning who should be elected and so forth and we pray that you'll just continue to give us victory and help us to walk in victory each day in Jesus name Amen